You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Drink it in now. everybody welcome to the detroit kool-aid cast i'm your host Derek okri and this is where i serve up that detroit kool-aid twice a week all day every day drink it in i'm going solo here on this show but there's tons of lions things to talk about so here's what i'm going to do i'm going to go kind of rapid fire here in the beginning of the show talk about some injuries talk about dan freaking campbell talk about some tweets that i put out that uh, went a little crazy this past week um some hot topics with the lions kind of do that in the first part of the show just give you my thoughts talk some football here and then the back part of the show i want to talk about this lions minnesota game an absolute heartbreaker again for the detroit lions i mean a game where the offense did not play well but the defense sure seemed to turn it on there especially late in that ball game and to take the lead late and then to get beat by another 55 almost yard field goal or whatever it was wow I mean, it just, it hurts. It hurts bad, and we'll talk all about it here on the show. So, everybody, fill up that glass with Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid. Drink it in, uh... Side of cornbread. Cornbread! Make it a double. Cornbread! Cornbread! Let's do this. So, let's get into this right now. All these injuries. I mean, right before I got recording here, Frank Ragnow, done for the year... I mean, gosh, it was crazy how he even got hurt. Nobody even really knows when it happened, where it happened. And to see him go out, and then you're thinking, ah, you know, three weeks, four or five weeks of the most, he's back, he's ready to go. Done for the year. I mean, just paid this guy. He's probably the best player on the football team. He's the middle of that offensive line. He makes the calls. He's physical. He's no nonsense. He's a beast. I mean, gosh, it's just... It just, I've been ranting and raving, and again, you guys aren't going to hear me rant and rave a ton on this show uh, negatively, because I got a lot of Kool-Aid to serve up. I think there's a lot of positives going on with this team, despite the record. I know everybody's, you know, uh, doing these extremist takes, that they're not going to win a game, and look at how bad they are, and blah, blah, blah. I'll get into all that here in a bit. But the injuries I have been rough on, because all our top players, here's another one. Again, basically our best guy, when you're talking about straight-up football players. Frank Ragnow done for the year. So I think that hurts a lot on a lot of different levels, run game, pass game, toughness, everything you're looking for. I mean, you know, Brown, who's filled in, he's been decent. 
you know, haven't noticed him in a negative way, but I'm, I'm sure he's not doing some of the things that Frank does on the football field. That's for sure. So that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt a lot. I mean, don't think I'm done with injuries because I got about six more that I got to talk about it at best here. So in this Minnesota game, Quintez Siva started out decent and he made a really nice play where run after catch, got up the football field and, you know, got tackled hard. You know, I, I, I remember yelling at my TV, oh man, he fell on the football, he fell on the football. It'll be all right. And sure enough, He's not going to be all right. He didn't fall on the football. He has a broken collarbone, basically probably out for the year. You know, potentially come back late, but I'd assume this is more of a season-ending type thing for Quintez. Now, I think he was playing better. I think he was doing some things, but I think people, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's just Lions fans or it's where we're at with this team or whatever, but... A guy makes a couple plays and people are just flipping out. I heard some people just saying, oh, he's a wide receiver too in the NFL now. Based off like a couple 60-some yard games or whatever he's had. No, I I still, you've heard me say it, he slotted as like a 4-5 type receiver. You know, doesn't give you a ton on, on teams or in any other areas. So, you know, I don't think he's some invaluable piece. I do hope he heals up and comes back better. But it was just disappointing to see because this was, again... It seems like some of the players that keep dropping are those guys that we as Lions fans want to see. You know, we wanted to see Okuda, Mr. Okuda. We wanted to see Quintez. We wanted to see some of these guys that are, um, you know, now out for the year. You get no look at them. You just kind of hope and pray that they come back next year, quote unquote, better than ever, as they always put out on Twitter or Instagram. It's like, well, I hope so, but... I mean, losing another year of football and coming off injury is usually not the best thing to where you just come back and you're incredible. So, you know, tough tough break, literally, for Q. But, I mean, I hope he heals up. I hope he does well. Tyrell Williams. You know, now, again, I got to be careful with this take because, you know, there's all those people out there that will come after me. Oh, you you don't know. You, you've never had a, this or you've never played and this, that, and the other. Like, I was at that first game against San Francisco. Like, go back and watch it. Like, Tyrell Williams got hit pretty hard on a pass, like, kind of up the seam or whatever. But this wasn't some ultimately devastating, you know, straight-up helmet-to-helmet, like, you know, guy just got at crush. You see hits like that every week in the NFL. And at first, I remember even seeing him on the sideline. He kind of told Dan Campbell, like, hey, I'm out, you know, I'm not feeling well or had head issue, whatever it was. And here we are going into week six, man. Like, you know, uh, I'm not trying to rush the guy back. What I'm saying is that we all know concussions can vary from player to player, you know, from situation to situation. So I don't know his medical. I'm not there. But I do see a lot of players coming back one, two, three weeks after concussion. We're at six going into eight plus with this one for Tyrell. So this doesn't help his case at all, being an injured-type football player. And everybody in Detroit, we were all ready to give him that second chance and be like, hey, you know, he's been hurt, we get it, but he'd come here and be able to do some things, especially based on the receiver roster. He'll be the number one, get a bunch of targets. I'm leaning towards we may not even see Tyrell in 2021, you know, in regards to this injury and just where he's at as a player. It just may, you may not see him in that jersey. I mean, that that's where it feels like it's going for me. So, very disappointing. I thought Tyrell could do some things. He looked pretty good in the preseason. So, again, hope he gets well. I don't know his concussion issues. I wish that it was like many of the others I see in the league where after, you know, 
two, four weeks, whatever it has to be, even for a serious variety, you're able to come back and, and hopefully stay healthy. We've seen that time and time again, but it doesn't seem to be the case as Dan Campbell was quoted as saying he's ways down the road from coming back. And like I say, we're heading into week six here. So no Tyrell Williams anytime soon. Now, Taylor Decker, you guys know one of my favorite players here on the Kool-Aid cast. He, you know, had that phantom kind of finger hand injury, got surgery, hadn't played this year when games count, moved Penny Sewell left. Now word is like he's about ready to come back. Now, what's crazy to me is Dan Campbell is like, oh, we'll see where he's at Wednesday, Thursday, and see if he's ready to go. I mean, I get it, it's a hand and finger type injury, but this guy hasn't played football for six weeks. You know, he's he's maybe been running on the treadmill and he's been in the meetings. I get it, but I don't think he's going to come back that quick. I feel like even if they get him back on the field, they're going to ease him in. They'll play Penn A for a couple more games or whatever, and then they'll be like, all right, he's ready to go. If he does get out there and he does play well, that would be fun because then, unfortunately, like I said, I think I put a tweet out at Derek Oakry saying, man, I just want to see Decker, Ragnall, and Penn A you know, play together. And now we know that's not going to happen for the whole season. So getting any semblance of that line back, whether it's Decker, Jonah Jackson now, and Penny Sewell on the right, as well as Hal Vitae, got to give it to him. He's been playing better football, which is nice to see for that hefty contract he has and for the ability to move bodies the way he's been doing. So I like that. And they'll just get by with uh, Mr. Evan Brown there in the in the middle of the offensive line. But I, I'm excited to have Taylor Decker back, but I'd be shocked if he just comes back Wednesday, Thursday. Like, yep, I'm ready to play Sunday. But we'll see. Dan Campbell seems pretty optimistic, encouraged, as he always says in all his pressers about it. So we will see. And the last injury that I have here before we get into a lot of other hot topics is Deshaun Hand. Deshaun Hand... Had a good preseason or training camp, we heard. He was all energetic. He did some nice interviews saying he's so feeling so good. He's so ready to go. We saw a few flashes of him making plays. And then, sure enough, right before the games counted, Deshaun Hand pulls a hammy. Somehow he has some hammy that he's now down for six-plus weeks. And Dan Campbell said it does not look like he'll be back anytime soon, which one doesn't shock me. I'm a big Sean Hand supporter. I like his game. I like what he brought to the table early in his career. But this is just ridiculous. Like, I guess I'm not going to go on a huge rant here, but I, there's something going on with, like, the Detroit Lions and injuries or certain players. Like, I've always been a guy that says, like, you know, just because you got hurt two years ago doesn't mean you'll get hurt today or this year, right? It's, it's That has really no impact on right now. But the thing is, with the guy like Deshaun Hand... You almost question, does he want to play football? Does he love the game? Because this guy's always hurt. His injuries always go much longer than expected. And you don't see any long stretches of him being out there grinding. You see a game or two, and then he's out again. It's like, I don't know if he's trying to ride out his rookie deal and then go somewhere and then ball out, or if he really is completely big-time dinged up. I know you're not supposed to question players' injuries and this and that. But I gotta question this because it continues to happen year after year after year, and the guy can't get on the field when it counts. I mean, all you gotta do is play a few ball games and show up, and people give you the benefit of the doubt. But when you never show up or you show up for a brief second, and then you're out for extended periods, and like most guys that have a hamstring, again, a couple weeks. You're back. If you pull it again, okay, we get it. Maybe you came back too early. Maybe you did something. Maybe it's a bigger issue. But 
What are you, you going to sit out, like 10 weeks with a hamstring? Come on, Deshaun Han. Get out there and show Detroit you can make plays. I assume he's playing elsewhere moving forward, but watch this guy be a guy that goes somewhere else and plays really well for two to four years, you know, after after he's done in Detroit because that just seems like the way it's trending. Well, l- let me get to... Let me get to bigger topics. Those are all the the recent injuries. Let's get to Dan Campbell. Dan freaking Campbell. And let's get to him crying at the podium. Yeah, I know you guys all want to hear. You've been hearing everybody talk about it. Some people love, oh man, I'll run through a wall for Dan Campbell. I love his passion. I love the fact that he cares so much. They hear other people, oh man, you can't cry. What are you crying for? Come on. You what, you lost a game? You're going to lose a lot more games. What do you cry every time so you got both sides of the aisle there where, where, where do you think I'm at here on the Kool-Aid cast where do you think I'm at when I'm drinking that Honolulu blue delicious flavor Kool-Aid drink it in man. I'm standing with Dan Campbell it's okay for our head football coach to get a little teary-eyed when you get your heart ripped out Two times in five weeks. You lose five football games when you're trying to get a win for your new team, your new city, your new people. Like, this is ridiculous that people would act like, oh, this is a sign of weakness. Oh, he just can't handle it. He's going to burn out. And get out of here with that, man. This was the guy that did everything right, which I'm going to get to later in this Minnesota game. Made every great call. Fought to the end. His players fought to the end. They made plays. They made the plays to win. And then they made a few plays to give it back. And they lost the game. So, yeah, he steps up to the podium. He's emotional. It just happened. He got these knucklehead reporters asking him all these, uh, you know, questions. Like, minutes after this tough football game, he probably just talked to his teams. Teams probably all pissed off, fired up, whatever it is. Like, of course, a guy that has any type of heart and soul and loves what he does and loves the people he's working with is going to be, you know, have a tough situation there. And, you know, you only got a few stone faces in the game that are like the Bill Belichick's that nothing affects them or they're going to be ridiculous about everything. I love that Dan Campbell cares. I love that he's willing to stand up there and show, man, that sucked. That hurt. That was a tough loss, man. I'm not going to sit up here and say, oh, it's another game. You know, we'll go back next week and try to correct the mistakes and execute better. No. He was like, I wanted that from my players. I thought we had that game. I thought he was going to miss that field goal. When it doesn't happen, it hurts, man. It hurts. Congratulations. Thank you, Dan Campbell, for being a human being and for being real. And for everybody out there that thinks you can't cry, you can't get upset, you can't be emotional, that's ridiculous. We're all people, man. It depends what hits you and where it hits you, and everything should hit you somewhere. If you're going through life and you're just trying to be a tough guy and think that, oh, nothing ever impacts me or I never get sad or mad or happy or glad, that's ridiculous. And if you're somebody that gets, you know, too much all the time yeah you got to level that out a little bit you know what I mean there's a middle ground there but Dan Campbell's a great dude I really hope he wins I hope he gets this together if you look at the scope I mean as frustrated as I've been he's played pretty well with this team so I love it that he's pretty animated on the sideline even if we don't hear and see it you watch those mic'd up he's over there doing some things that former regimes didn't do about whooping it up and talking to his players you see him in practice, he's getting after him, he's sweating, he's in there, he's he's learning, he's down there in the mix with the guys, and he's trying his best with a lackluster talent roster to get this done. So, Dan Campbell, you could cry now, but when you start getting W's, man, 
you can be confident, feel good, and be happy and excited. And I can't wait for that moment for you. All right, so let's get to this real quick. Now, again, you guys can find me on Twitter at Derek Okri. That's spelled D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E. Again, not big on the old social medias. I'm a big, I'm a private guy, but I have loved Twitter because I get on there, talk a little sports with people, enjoy, um, you know, reading different things. I, I do a lot of retweets just because as I see things I like, I try to get them out there so other people can see and like them if they want as well. But I got crushed the last week or so for one tweet that I'll read to you right now. And let me, I'll talk about it after I read it. So I put this out about four or five days ago when you're from when you're hearing this. Matt Stafford needs to start showing Detroit more love when he's asked about his time with the Lions by the media. No mention of the team or the amazing fans in the city. Then he goes on and on about how great. LA is ugh and then I, I I put that out and the reason I put that out is because I've seen multiple post games again here in Detroit and especially in prime time we get a lot of Rams games and when you get a lot of Rams games and you get a lot of Matt Stafford playing pretty good football you get a lot of questions like this from I don't know Mike Irvin where he goes hey you know uh, how do you like it in LA, man? It's got to be so much better than Detroit, right? I mean, Detroit was just, I mean, come on. Or I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically how he set up the question. And instead of Matt Stafford saying this, which is what I want him to do, hey, you know, I, he didn't, he, you know, he's not going to say, hey, you're not going to bow his chest. But if he was just like, man, I love my time in Detroit, great fans there. But I'm having a great time here, got great teammates, everything's going well, I'm real happy. That's all you got to do. But the last few interviews where people have done this, and again, it's when the media asks him about Detroit versus L.A. and how bad Detroit was and how great L.A. is, all I want him to do is take that half second, that 10 seconds to stand up for, man, I loved it in Detroit. I'm always going to love it there. And then go on to talk about your current situation. But multiple times, probably been four or five times, He's totally aborted the, the, the uh, making fun of Detroit part that the person asking the question framed it with and just went on to talk about everything L.A., how great L.A. is. So I thought it was a fine tweet, a fair tweet. Um, again, everybody that listens to the show or knows me on Twitter knows that I don't hate Matt Stafford. I'm a Matt Stafford fan, to be honest. I like seeing him in an L.A. jersey. He's playing good. Congratulations. I'm not you know, a hater by any means. Now, toward the end of his career, did I know his time was up and knew we needed a change and had seen enough of number nine here with the Lions? Absolutely. So I put this out thinking that's eh, a fair thing. You know, we just need to stand up for us a little bit more or show. He always says how much he loves it here. But since he put out that video, um, doesn't even bring us up. And oh, my goodness, Twitter. I probably three days worth of just people. You don't know what you're talking. This is bull. You you. Uh, why would he talk about his former ex? You know, all these analogies are people trying to give me. I was about ready to, like, get everybody's Twitter handle that hated on this or told me to jump off a bridge or said, you know, you don't know what you're talking about or why would he ever bring up his former wife having such a fun time in L.A.? I mean, congratulations to him. I mean, it was ridiculous. It really was. All you people out there, I mean, this was a pretty just even-keeled, hey, show Detroit a little bit of love type of tweet, and everybody acted like I'm crushing this guy. And I guess my other point is for even the people like me that like Matt Stafford, respected him, thinks he did what he did here was pretty good, but ended up getting sick of him. Why are there so many people that are just 
you know, you can't say one peep about this guy. You put Stafford in a tweet or talk about number nine and people just defend him to the ultimate hill. Like he's their firstborn or that he's done everything perfect and everything was Detroit's fault or any fan that has any critique of Matt Stafford here in Detroit or elsewhere. is just a complete idiot. No, that's, that's not how it goes. So that was a big waste of my time. You know, I try to get back to certain people and explain myself or say like, Hey, I don't hate Matt Stafford. I just want to take two seconds and always kind of get Detroit in there when people take shots. You know, if, if Michael Irvin doesn't bring up anything about Detroit and just says, Hey, how you doing in LA? It looks like you're doing really well. Talk about LA. But if he's going to put the lions in there and frame it like, Oh, what a joke they are and how terrible they are. You just stand up for him for half a second and say, hey, man, I, you know, I really uh, enjoyed my time there and we do a lot of great teammates and the city's great. And uh, and again, when people say, well, we don't have to do that all the time. He's already done it. Yeah, he's already done it. But take certain situations to fit them back in again when people take shots. And I, I'm not upset that you're doing well out there. I don't wish him to do not well. I, I, I don't know. I guess my biggest thing was just, you know, the the haters on the lions that you know are are lions twitter folks you know it's like well why would he stand up for the lions the lions have always been trash okay well that goes back to my point that he was quarterback here for 10 plus years and didn't change that fact so that's on him as well uh, partially so you know i guess it just comes down to you know the the lions have not been winners they don't have a great record but they paid Matt Stafford a lot of money. He was the face of the franchise. He was the quarterback here in this town for over 10 plus years. And it's like that alone just equals respect and equals, hey, I'm going to go out of my way like Nate Burleson does to rep Detroit. Or I'm going to say when I get a chance, no, man, Detroit's a great place. I loved it there. And then talk about your current situation. That's all I was saying is I think he's kind of getting away from that a little bit. Because he did his video, he jumped out of town on the on the big jet. Now he's out on the West Coast living life. And it's like, again, no issues. Again, I don't care what you do. But when I hear people frame and take a shot at Detroit or the Lions organization that paid you a lot and showed you a lot of respect, and you don't take a minute to sort of say, hold up now. I love Detroit. Awesome place. Now let me tell you about what I'm doing now in L.A. I love Sean McVay. I love my teammates. A lot of hard workers. We're trying to do something special out here. No problem. You wouldn't hear me say peep one, but he's, he's totally not only not done that, he's made a point to kind of not speak on it and even somewhat laugh. I took it the last couple of times I've seen him about the Detroit situation and what he's doing now. And that's what I had a problem with. So that's my Matt Stafford tweet. Now you think I'd be done, but no, I got more hot takes here. This is another tweet that I put out recently that got a lot of uh, kickbacks too. And I was curious, I put hashtag lions fans. How do you value T.J. Hawkinson on this team at this time and for the future? And I said, I'm curious what you think. And I was. I said, send me your takes on how you value him, what your plan is for him now and in the future, what your trade price is for him, etc. So really what I was trying to do there is I'm just trying to gauge where people are at with T.J. Hawkinson because... I love the player. You go back in the archives here on the Kool-Aid cast and listen to it. I was all like, man, TJ Hawkins, a hell of a ball player. He can run, he can block, he can catch. Uh, you know, he, he, he's he got the body. He's got the, you know, mentality that you look for in a tight end. Now, I didn't necessarily want him where they took him. 
But they took him there, and he's proven to be a pretty good player. And here we are years down the road, new regime, rebuild, multiple first-round picks. You're going to have to pay TJ Hawkinson in a year or two, you know, big-time money. He is doing well. He would do better with a better quarterback and other weapons around him. We all understand that. I guess my point of trying to throw out his value was these are the kind of hard decisions you have to make of sort of deciding is Mr. Hawkinson like somebody that I need to, you know, roll with and pay and and assume he's going to be this great dynamic top five tight end as many people shot back and told me. And some people said he's untradeable. And I was like, hold up now. Basically, anybody's tradable depending on what you're offering. And the, the dude's a tight end, bro. Like, uh, we, we can we can find tight ends in other ways. I don't know, maybe the third, fourth round of the draft. We can also go in free agency. And so, oh, we can't find one like TJ Hawkinson. Okay, well, maybe you could find one that's doable with a pass catcher, whatever your type you're looking for. And add, I don't know, a top flight receiver, a nasty defensive end, other options with every subtraction, then you can add things. So it's like people were like, well, why don't we just keep Hawkinson and get the quarterback and get the defender and get the receiver? Okay, you you can do that if you're assuming we're going to draft perfectly. My point was if you get aggressive and you traded him for a really nice return, you could maybe, instead of getting one nasty defender, you could get two. <laughs> you know, maybe in trading one tight end, you could get a top flight wide and a mid-level tight end. Maybe you could get a, a top flight quarterback and a defender, and a receiver, you know, when it's all said and done with some of the assets you get back and the money you'd have available. So those are the trade-offs. Now, again, I kind of went on a little rant, tangent about the Stafford one because that was a lot of hate, man. There was a lot of people that were just coming at me crazy. It's like, you know, I don't need to be F-bombed. I don't need to be hearing, you know, how how non-smart I am just because I put out a, hey, Matt Stafford, show us a little bit more love. You know, we, we paid you hundreds of millions of dollars and... You know, somebody's taking a shot at our city, rep us, and then talk about your current situation. I didn't think that was worthy of a lot of the replies I got. Now, some of you were level-headed. Some of you had good takes. I appreciate that. The Hawkinson one, you know, I really appreciate everybody getting back because there was a lot of interesting replies, which is what I wanted. You know, people, again, I'm not trading him ever. Some people were like, well, I'd be curious what his value would be. Some people would be like, hey, let's keep him in the fold, and we get a good quarterback, and and he just keeps getting better and better. He will be like that top five, top three tight end here in a year or two when the team is rolling. And I get it. I respect all those opinions. I really do. I feel like the reason I asked it is because it would be a very aggressive, very unconventional move to take basically one of your top three best players in TJ Hawkinson and trade him off for what would be what? You might get multiple picks. You might get a, a lower, you know, first, second, upper, second rounder, and then some extra. You know, it's not going to be what you paid for him in the top 10 of the NFL draft, but you could get multiple valuable assets back for him to then include in this rebuild where you're rebuilding in a new image. You know, we maybe we probably needed a tight end back when uh, Mr. Bob Quinn took him because we had nothing at that position and they hoped that they were ready to sort of take a next step and he was a ball player that was plug and play. We all get that. But now when you're retooling across the board and you're thinking, I love TJ 
Hawkinson, but I might be able to take what I can get for him and really love what I get back to, which again, I'm not going to go on a big thing, but part of my tweets were, you really want to dig into the money of the NFL draft and what you could get rather than paying him 10, 12, 15 million dollars a year in his new contract that'll be coming up before you know it. There's a lot of nice assets coming out of college football that that cost nothing when you draft them and that gives you four years, five years of control to be able to keep, build, and and maybe, here's a thought, as good as T.J. Hawkinson is, maybe you could get better than T.J. Hawkinson, whether it be player value or even positionally. Maybe maybe you, maybe you swing and hit a home run. I don't know, you hear about this guy that got taken in the third round? His name is George Kittle. I mean, uh, you know... Uh, that was a home run with that pick. You know, uh, where'd Kelsey go? Second, third round, whatever he was. There's been guys that go in the fifth that are starting pass-catching tight ends in the game right now that well outplay their draft uh, pedigree. So that that was my counterpoint. And again, let me finish it with this. TJ Hawkinson is a player I love. I love his game. I love his mentality. I'm a little worried that he might be get too crazy and you might see something eventually come out, either suspension or something go down with TJ Hawkinson. That's not too great. But I love what he does in the football field. I also think that he's only going to get better and better. I agree with all of you. If I have my choice and money's not an issue and I can't get any trade value for him, Obviously, I'm totally fine and happy to keep the guy. I like the guy as a player. But if I'm the GM and somebody comes in knocking and they have a crazy return and I'm like, whoa, that's like I'm going to be able to really turn that into some dynamic players and Hawkinson's going to go ball out with that team. But I know that that's going to bring my future here quicker. I'm going to be able to double, triple dip in into positions of need by losing one tight end on my football team. Yes, I'm going to consider that. And consider that very, very heavily. So, you know, it's very interesting. I appreciate everybody that got back to me. Those are fun things to throw out there. But, man, sometimes I'm surprised. I say Matt Stafford in a tweet. It goes crazy. I ask about what do you think about this guy. And people think, I, oh, you hate him. Oh, you want to get – why would you trade him? This is ridiculous. No, that's not what I said. So, anyway, fun on Twitter there. And a couple quick hits before we take our break. Um, Tracy Walker, second best pro football focused safety. I mean, that surprised me, to be honest. I know he had a pretty good game here against Minnesota, but I still don't see him creating turnovers. I still see him, you know, hit, getting a few nice tackles here and there. But I was surprised he's second best for pro football focus. Um, if he can play like he played in Minnesota consistently, week after week, game after game, as well as, I don't know, get an interception, a fumble recovery, something that turns the football over multiple times here before this year is over, uh, that will get that excitement back up about number 21. My favorite number and was going to be one of my favorite players in, on the Lions, but he's let me down quite a few times where he's late in coverage, he's not making plays. So, Tracy... Congratulations, number two safety. Great game in Minnesota. Keep it up, my man. Keep balling out. I hope he does. Um, real interesting stat. Jared Goff, like a 90.1 grade um, this year. That's the highest graded quarterback for an 0-5 football team, I think is how the stat went. That really shocked me. One, because it doesn't feel like Goff's played very well, especially with all these turnovers. But you look at his stats. I mean, his stats, if they project them forward, that's going to be a nice year for him. And... The grade itself is just like, wow, 90 grade overall. So the guy is doing some nice things. You cannot turn it over the way he's turning it over, which is those ones that just drive me nuts where it's like 
everybody on TV, you can just see the pocket just collapsing, yet he doesn't do the old Peyton Manning and just crumple into a heap and, and hold on to the football. He stands there and lets himself get killed and they lets the get a ball go out, and we're losing possessions like inside the other team's 20, 30-yard line, you know, taking points off the board. And, you know, the ball that slipped out of his hand, inexcusable. The missed snap, inexcusable. And it seems like he's ho-hum after, like, oh, you know, and I thought I could get it through. You thought you could get it through. Like, there was four guys around. Like, what are you, what are you watching? Like, these are things he just has to tighten up. But some of the other things he's doing is nice. You know, when he's protected, he's great. Play action, he's pretty good at times. You know, hitting underneath receivers. He's got to be more accurate up over the top. But I know a lot of people have already quit on Jared Goff, and I've been pretty, you know, critical of him these last few podcasts but that that grade along with some of the things he's doing if he can get the 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 defense to play like they did in the back half of this Minnesota as well as that run game keeps cranking um you know it's not bad you know we will take that from Jared Goff in my opinion so everybody I went up quite a bit longer than I wanted to here in this first segment but that's about that's about 20 20 some minutes of rants and interesting uh, items talking about injuries things like that so hope that filled up your glass that detroit kool-aid here to get the show going drink it in and now we take a quick break get our great sponsors in here but you don't want to miss like i went back and i watched the uh, condensed version of this minnesota game I've got kind of my uh, you know A to Z breakdown. We'll start at the beginning of the game, work our way through it, tell you what I saw and uh, kind of what I saw were the critical moments in this football game. So everybody, do that right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. We come back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, everybody. This goes out to my fantasy football fans out there. Now, you probably heard about Reality Sports Online, the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners can build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? I mean, we're talking free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades. You can put franchise tags on guys. Uh, It's as close as you're going to get to being an NFL GM. But do you think it sounds complicated? It's not. I'm here to tell you it's the best thing about Reality Sports Online is it's just more fun than your normal fantasy league, but it doesn't take barely any more time. After all this, are you still not sure? I mean, come on now. You can test your general manager skills by going over to Reality Sports Online, call it RSO. Please go check out realitysportsonline.com right now. All right, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, as I always say, we're back from the break. Thanks so much for listening to our sponsors. really helps out the show. Go check out realitysportsonline.com. You want to start your own podcast or check out what they're doing over at Anchor, um, go pull that up uh, on the old website or on your phone there. The Anchor app, you can start your own pod, you can tell a friend about it. It's a great way to get yourself going and you want to start at that uh, initial level there. And uh, 
yeah, we get we 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 got Lions Minnesota to talk about. So again, this this was such a heart wrenching. But again, I'm serving up Kool Aid. Hold on, where, where's the old sound bite? I'm so proud of this team. Drink it in, man. I was hurt by the end, but I was excited with how they finished. Drink it in, man. This defense kept getting off the field again and again and again. Drink it in, man. I mean. Let's just start at the beginning. So, again, I'll do these kind of quick hits. Again, usually try to get you guys out of here in anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes on the show. There are times I go longer, but again, a lot of the podcasts I listen to are two, three hours long. Um, so, you know, if it's good content, it is what it is. So, hopefully, you like that first segment, we're going to break down this game. Might take, uh, you know, 15 plus minutes here, but we'll get through it. Should be good time. So, starting out this football game, I mean, I thought the Lions had a really nice drive to start. I mean, especially the way they used DeAndre Swift. You go back and watch it, they dial up a screen for him really early, which you guys have heard me many a time say, man. I'd be giving him two, three screen type plays a game, giving him those underneath option routes multiple times a game. That's how I would use this player. And every time he touches it, there's something about the way he runs, how low, how physical, how fast he looks on tape. He's special, special player. So they got it to him in the screen game. He also had a really nice run. It was kind of like a uniquely designed play where he kind of, they handed it to him a little funky, but he got going up the left side and had blockers in front. Nice, nicely designed, nice play for him there as well. Um, you know, they, they, they get three points out of it. And then what I took from the, uh, you go back and watch the Minnesota first drive. I mean, we had them pinned like two third down and, and medium to longs. And Justin Jefferson's just killing the Lions early. You know what I mean? He's just uh, making those conversions, keeping the chains moving. Um, we just couldn't handle them. And there were a couple times where we're in great coverage and they still make the perfect throw, the perfect catch. I mean, how many times do you see that in a Lions game where you're like, are you kidding me? Like we had them on third and 12. We had great coverage. They threw it. 30 yards down the field in the perfect spot and the guy makes a circus catch. I mean, it's ridiculous. So that happened multiple times, but Justin Jefferson's a ball player. He's a special talent. There's no question. Um, I thought swag. I mean, he punishes people, you know, Jamal Williams continues to punish people, continues to get, you know, three, four, six yards of crack. Every time he seems to touch it, love what he's doing. I, I remember just saying, when I was watching the game, like, gosh, is this a guy I want? I know he signed like a two year deal. I mean, I I just want him here for three, four years, the way he's playing. You know, him and this combo with him and Swift really is nice. So, love what he's doing. I'd love to see him, um, you know, make a couple of those big-time plays, either getting in the end zone or, you know, splash plays of 20-plus yards. But I just love it, too, when he's always falling forward, always pushing the pile. So, that's great to see. Now, here's a beef I got. Hey, Everson Griffin, thanks for nothing. When you played for the Lions, you did absolutely nothing. You had, what, two, three sacks, but they never meant anything. And here you come out the gate, you're getting sacks, you're getting pressures, you're just killing us when you're back with the Vikings. Like, it's just ridiculous how that always seems to happen. But Everson Griffin causing havoc here early in this football game. Um like 31, the Lions are on the 31-yard line in the first quarter, about ready to get more points. And, and Everson Griffin comes off with his other bunch of Viking buddies, and they end up getting the sack fumble on Jared Goff. This is the one I'm talking about where you just go down, man. You, Jared Goff said, oh, they made a great play or they got the ball out or whatever. Well, just go down. I mean, I used to love the receivers for the Rams way back in the day, or you see them on tape or that greatest show on turf where they just catch it and they just fall down or run out of bounds. It's like, 
It's just smart football. It's not being a wimp or being not ball player. It's like you feel the pack going crazy. Go down or put two hands on the ball. Don't turn it over and take points off the board. So 3-3 in the first quarter. I mean, to me, that was a win for the Detroit Lions. Like, this was a game I had a lot of worries about that they were going to get going early. The Vikings were and going to, you know, kind of put up points and we were going to struggle. Now, 3-3 is nothing to say about our offense. Like, after that first drive, they did absolutely nothing till late in the ball game. But 3-3... I was feeling pretty good about it after quarter one. Now, quarter two gets rolling. You've got, you know, at the 231 mark, you know, um, what do I have here? Madison, gosh, he was, um, he was stopped. Like, he caught a pass, and he started going up the field. He was contacted probably at the 10. Then he was gang-tackled at, like, the 7. Before I knew it, he was in the end zone for a touchdown. That's right. He carried multiple lines as well as got pushed from the rest of the Vikings players to go from the seven to a touchdown on this play. I mean, that's that's good play, good hustle, I guess, by the Vikings. But it's just play the Lions have to be more physical and get a guy down. I mean, you just you don't see that in other football games. So that was disconcerting. Now, at 103 in the second quarter, Quintez made a really nice play, caught a ball. I want to say it was on second or third down. He spun out, head down the left sideline, picked up a good amount of yak yards, out of bounds, he gets tackled. What does he do, of course? I thought he fell on the football. Nope, he fell on his shoulder, his collarbone, cracked his collarbone, basically out for the year. Um, having a nice game, too, Q was, but it's all over now. So, again, why can't the Lions fall differently or not have all these injuries? I can't tell you, but they're just killing this team. So, you know, it's... You know, the, the second quarter, you know, we had that Madison touchdown. It ends up being 13-6 to six at halftime. I, I feel like the Lions banged in a nice 52-plus yard field goal, I want to say, from um, Seibert, who was back. And Seibert's been really good, I feel like. I mean, he's hit multiple really deep ones. He seems to be a pretty confident, good kicker, so I like seeing that. So we did get points there kind of late in the f- second quarter, but... You know, 13-6, you're kind of thinking, all right, you know, they, uh, they're they hanging in there. I kept saying, man, we're, we're down a score. And I would say that for a bunch of this game because the third quarter gets kicked off. Like, third quarter, 10 minutes to go, basically in the game, second and six. Jared Goff throws into, like, triple, quadruple coverage. It wasn't open. He said in his press conference, oh, I thought I could sneak it by Kendricks. No. Like, if you sneak it by Kendricks, there's two other people that either get their hand on the football or pick it off. So just a bad decision, a bad throw, kind of a bad design, too. It was a really condensed box, short yardage. You can't run this kind of low, shallow slant or whatever they were trying to run up in there. It gets picked off. Another, you know, one basically kind of taking points or a good drive off the board. You know, just just not smart by, by number 16. Um, you know, again... I, I don't know what to tell you guys about Trinity Benson. He continues to give us nothing. I mean, again, I, I said this is going to be Kool-Aid uh, worthy, but he's anti-Kool-Aid right now. I mean, Trinity Benson was a guy, oh, man, maybe they see something. They give a fifth-round pick. He, he's going to be this young receiver that's going to grow and going to show us things. I've seen nothing from this guy whatsoever. So he had a, a few questionable drops or, you know, plays in this ball game. One I'll get to here in a bit. But 
I just want to throw that out there that we got to see something from this guy. Now, here this is Kool-Aid worthy again. Let me get, let me get the bit ready. Jack Fox, everybody. I mean, Jack Fox, can you guys do this for me? Drink it in, man. <laughs> I know I always come on here and, ooh, it's kicker, it's punter, whatever. I mean, Jack Fox booming like 50, 60 yard punts. I mean, he did it again here, pinned him deep. I mean, this guy's a weapon. He really is. He's very consistent, very good at what he does. Yes, he's a punter, but he always seems to do the right thing and, and, and help the team out on special teams. So I like that. So 240 left in the third quarter. This is probably the pivotal play of the game, one of, um, especially up to this point. So I I don't have the down and distance here, but I want to say it was second or third down. They hand it off to Madison. Derek Barnes, number 55, comes up in the hole. And, oh, man, he's in perfect position. This is where you should not only make the tackle, you should lay the lumber, push him back, you know, whatever you got to do. I don't know what happened here if he sort of thought he was going to bounce outside or supposed to have certain leverage, whatever the whatever the issue was. But he got like off kilter to the left for whatever reason. And Madison just kind of cut it up straight and blew right past him and probably ripped off 40, 50 yards on this play. So instead of going in from a one yard or zero yard gain or even losing yardage, it's 50-plus the other way. Um, gosh, you know, I kept yelling out, Derek Barnes, baby, because he he was always around the football. I felt like he had a pretty good ball game. I just like seeing him out there. He's physical. He's a good guy, a really good player. But, man, this was a big miss by him, and you just can't have it. But soon after that, just a little bit over a minute after that, the Lions got an interception, which was huge. I mean, they threw the ball. Um, they tried to fit one in. Kirk Cousins did. And sure enough, I believe it was Tracy. Tight coverage, sort of got met the ball and the player at the same time. This ball popped up in the air. Lions had a couple, um, two, three uh, this year that have popped up in the air, and they were able to make the interceptions. This time it was Anzalone. I loved his awareness. He found it quickly. He, he cradled it. He got his hands under, made a great play. Um, Tracy Walker, like, you didn't pick it, but you did you did assist on this one, so I will give you that, man. That's a, a half a turnover for Tracy there. Again, he had a really good game tackle-wise, tackle for loss. Um, I think he had nine some tackles, tackle for loss, had this uh, deflection that led to the INT. So T-Walk doing some things. you got to put that together next game as well. So 13-6 and the third quarter. So no points there, um, just a stalemate in the third quarter. Lions are still hanging tough. And this is where it gets good, everybody, because the fourth quarter comes. I mean, there, there's a play where the Lions are trying to move the chains, third and medium, and they throw a bubble screen out. And again, I said it was about to get good. This was not good. They had it blocked up. They had it ready to go. And Trinity Benson, everybody, the guy that we traded for that I just ragged on, he didn't look like he knew who to block. Cordell Hodge was there as well, but I felt like Hodge knew what he was doing. Benson blocked the wrong guy. Even Dan Campbell said they blocked the wrong guy on this play. They should have had an easy first down. They don't block it upright, and they get tackled, and they have to get rid of the football. So... That was that was tough. You know, you got to make those plays. You got to know your assignments. You know, that's part of winning football. And it seems like the Lions are always, oh, you know, one guy didn't know what he was doing. Or, oh, you know, we almost had it. Well, we got to get it to where you know who to block. You make the block, and then St. Brown runs up and gets his first down. That's what the coaches and people are expecting. So we got to have that happen. Um, fourth quarter, 6-10 left. Um, you know, just a, a really nice sack by, by Harris. 
basically pushed them out of um, field goal range to some degree. I mean, just a a really nice play backed them up. Um, they threw a little bubble underneath, kind of a little short route. The next play, Tracy Walker laid the boom on someone. Yet the Vikings were still able to kick a 55-yard field goal to make it 16-6. I mean, like, I, I know there's some people that say, like, oh, well, nowadays kickers, uh, 50, 55 yards is no joke. I mean, or not it's no joke, it's no problem. And I think it's still a problem. Like, anytime they line up for anything over 45, I think it's a a tough field goal, you know? Yeah, these guys are good. These guys are pros. I get it. But I see guys missing extra points and, you know, 42-yarders every week. Yet 55 is no problem for this guy. He goes and just drains it. I mean, come on. We got to be on the right side of these at some point where we get some shanks, some misses, some, you know, uh, missed field goals. It's just... 55 yarders, no layups. So, anyway, they go ahead and get that. Um, the O line then went on to get Jared Goff blown up a couple times on a, on their next drive. I want to say he just hiked it, and by the time he hiked it, he's just getting killed by two, three Vikings. We've seen that plenty of times when playing the Vikings. Um, very disconcerting, but again, they have a lot of injuries up there. You get it. The Vikings then come down. Now they have a 49 yarder, which he kicks. And he's short. So this guy Drano's one from 55. Then he's short from 49. And we'll get to his final kick here in a bit. But with 255 left, the Lions are going down. And they throw a screen to DeAndre Swift, which you know I love. And what does he do? He catches it smoothly. He zooms up the field with this ridiculous burst and speed that he has and then he absolutely dump trucks somebody on the Minnesota Vikings I mean he just decided to put his head down and took dude off his feet I mean he went straight backwards straight up truck stick if you're a Madden fan and you know what he also got angry runs he got the scepter from Kyle Brandt on good morning football so my man swizzle as smooth as he is in his interviews and on the football field showed you yeah I can bleep you up too when I want to and that's run you over which he did here which was incredible so I absolutely love that play you got to go back and watch it if you if you didn't see it um fourth quarter two minutes left no timeouts for the Lions Basically, Minnesota's just going to run a couple plays and, and kick it or drain the clock. We're going to have no time left. They run it off left uh, left tackle, basically, to Alexander Madison, who had a huge game, which wasn't surprising. You know, he tore up the Lions, kind of. And this defense played well, the corners, the safeties, whatever, but they still got ate up by, by Madison, who thinks a real good player. But sure enough... He runs off left, and next thing you know, the ball is out. <laughs> Jalen Reeves Maven with the strip. I mean, incredible play by him. You gotta love it. I mean, 18 yard line, 130 left. We've got the football. It's 16 to six. I mean, yes, we still need uh, we still need those those points to get this one going, but it's it's doable. I mean, 18 yard line. So next thing you know. They made a throw, I think it was, to get down a little bit closer. But sure enough, it's 40 seconds left. We're on like the 7-8 yard line. And they hand it off to DeAndre Swizzle. And he just blow bursts up the middle. Jonah Jackson throws his guy out the club. Swizzle's in the end zone uh, telling the Minnesota fans to shh. And, and this, this game is, is we're down one and I'm thinking, Oh God, like, what are we going to do? Like, again, part of me, I'm not going to lie to you. It was kind of like, because of how fortunate we were, like kick the extra point and just sort of see if you, your defense is playing well, see if you can win this one. 
But when he said two, go for two, I was just like, all right, here we go. Like, he's going for it, which I, I didn't have a huge problem with. Um, when they started the two-point conversion, it looked like a bad play. You're like, oh, no, here we go. And, uh, gosh, Jared Goff stood there. He started to get pressure from both sides, and he threw a little ball to the back back uh, line of the end zone, and there was Kaderil Hodge, baby, with the catch. Two-point conversion. We're up one at that point, um, I mean, again, there's like 30 seconds, 33 seconds left or whatever it is. Uh, this is a game you should have in the bag. I know you're going to hear all the SOL, all the negative Lions fans, all the people on the radio telling you, oh, I knew, I knew it was going to happen. Too much time. Too much time? Like 30 seconds left in, in what, two timeouts? I mean... 90% of NFL games are going to end that for the, with their defense, and you're going to get maybe a pass or two. This game's going to end with you throwing a uh, you know, a deep pass, it gets picked off, or fourth down, you can't convert. You know, look, I knew there was time left. I remember looking going, well, I'm super excited. Of course I was fired up. I'm like, yep, there's still 30-some seconds left, two timeouts. you got to play defense. I didn't say, oh, here, we're definitely going to lose. I didn't say, here we go again. I said, hey, you got to play defense. Now, they didn't do that, and they came out. Here, here's some interesting tidbits here. So we get the touchdown. There's basically like 30-some seconds left. They throw a 39-yard uh, a ball to get him to the 39 to Adam Thielen. You know, again, how does he get that open? Why are we playing this, like, soft you cover him, I'll cover him type zone rather than man up with a with a or double team? They're some of their best guys, I don't know. But he makes a play out of 39. So, okay, whatever. Um you know, Will Harris actually makes a decent tackle for one of the first times in, in recent memory. He, he he comes up, he sticks his guy, keeps him in bounds, tick, tick, tick. They take another timeout. So they've used their timeouts here. So Will Harris makes the tackle and kind of holds his guy down until there was 19 seconds on the clock. That's when the timeout was called. They come out of the timeout. Now they have 22 and so you can say, oh, well, they, they the coach called it and they messed it up. There's not many times where they go back and put three to five seconds back on the clock. You know, they 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 blow the whistle. The clock operator is supposed to stop it. So I'm, I'm pretty sure the guy in Minnesota didn't let three seconds go off the clock just because. So for them to give him three more seconds, again, you call it nitpicking, call it whining. I'm just saying that's what I saw when I went back and watched the tape. There was three extra seconds on the clock for the next play. Um, they threw a ball, got him all the way down to the 36-yard line uh, of the Lions at that point from Thielen again. How do you let that deep ball base got right to the marker where it said field goal range? And then sure enough, the guy that just missed a 49-yarder, a guy that's not a very top-name kicker, not a guy that's known for a big leg per se, he comes out a 54-yarder to win the game with no time left and... It's right down the middle. I mean, this had three, four, five yards to spare. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, there's just no way, no freaking way that that should go. I mean, they're fortunate. They're indoors. It's their home stadium, whatever. But, again, 80-some percent of the time, you almost expect a 54-yarder with no time left from a kicker that's not that great to be shanked or to be short or like he was two kicks ago how do you go short on a 49 and then you're good from five yards back 
I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I I don't know how he just said, okay, I'm not only going to kick it perfectly straight again, but I'm going to get five, six extra. And again, it wasn't even five extra yards. This thing was good for three. So he, he got 10 extra yards basically on his leg within a, a half a quarter when he missed the, the shorty. I mean, uh, come on, man. That's just ridiculous. That's another heartbreaking loss for the Lions. This is a game they should have had. I mean, again, late in that game, the Lions have a win percentage of basically like I'm looking at it now on ESPN. At some point, I want to say their win percentage was, you know, 80, 82%. And then they end up losing the football game. I mean, devastating. You know, 17 16, they end up losing it 19 17. Would have been a great road win. Would have been a great, hey, look at me, even though Dan Campbell wouldn't have framed it that way. But like, man, my team hung in there. They fought. They have grit. I made the right call. I made the right call on the two-point. I managed the clock well. My team did what we coached him to do was turn the football over. And I should have won that game. And that's why he was emotional, and that's why it was so tough even for me to take here. I was just thinking, we got this. Like, they stole this game. We got this W, and then it was stolen back from us. And this is... Not the first time. It won't be the last, but, man, it's been too many. It really has. So to sum up this game, I mean, I think the golf turnovers were killers. I think they just they can't happen. They You can't overlook them. They took points off the board. The offense, I mean, never made plays when the D kept getting off the field. I kept texting my buddy Chops. You guys hear him on the Kool-Aid cast about once a month or so. I was like, all right, O, let's go, O. Let's go your boy golf. Let's make a play. And that was like four or five drives in a row where we were within a score, the defense would get off the field, and the offense would come out and do nothing. The offense, you know, was only able to muster six points in the first half, which is, you know, an enormous amount compared to their zero that they've done multiple times here in this game. And then to come out and only get three until very late in the football game, it's very disconcerting. You're not going to win many games with nine points late into the fourth quarter. Now, they did get the points late when they had to, but, yeah, the offense was not good. The defense was good, and that was a big part of the game. Jalen Rees-Maven, amazing play. you got to love that heart. you got to love that hustle. you got to love the way that this guy's finally getting a chance to play on defense, and he's showing you that that's why I liked him as a player coming out in the draft. I like Jalen Rees-Maven out of Tennessee, but I didn't like him as a special teams gunner only. I liked him as a linebacker that can run, hit, and tackle. And he has an injury history. Those were the things that were on him. And now he's starting to actually get to play defense and show you that he can run, hit, and tackle and turn the football over. But he needs to actually play to do that. So I like that. I do like the two-point call by Dan Freaky Campbell. I mean, he just went for it. He, he, he showed some moxie there. He just kind of, you know, I, I don't know. He's, he was... He was just tired of what the offense was doing. I've had enough of that. He was like, let's go for it. I've had enough of this. And they went and they got it for him. So that was good. And, uh, you know, you just have to be able to stop him at the end. You know, uh, again, I'm not going to go on a huge rant here to end the show. I should have done it early in the show, which is all my family, my friends, my uncles, especially. They're all jumping on family texts or my buddies. Oh, another classic one by the Lions. Why do I ever watch the Lions? The Lions are going to go 0-17. The Lions always do. So Lions. Oh, Derek, you know, why do you root for this team? Why do you do? Because I love this team. And because I don't go on this, oh, woe is me. Oh, poor us. We just never win. We're so bad. Like, it's just loser mentality. And it's just I, people, I think they love, you know, they take fun and joy in in 
and losing and misery. Like it's people in work. Oh, I laughed when they lost. You laughed? What'd you laugh for? This isn't funny. This isn't some joke. This is we just got our heart tripped out in the NFL where every game matters. And some laughing joke. But all my uncles, my family, some of my close buddies. Oh man, this is funny to them. Oh, the Lions always do this. Oh man, like why they found another way, didn't they? No, they didn't. And here's the Kool Aid. They didn't lose this game. Minnesota found a way to win this game. Detroit, other than their offense playing like just garbage all game they hung tough on defense they had a bunch of no names out there playing their hearts out they hung in there to the end they made the plays they had to with the strip they made the plays they had to with swizzle getting in the end zone they made the play they really had to make the two-point conversion and then they need one or two plays there on that final drive of not letting the pass be complete or even being complete for less than it was in a couple of those plays and this is a w just like the baltimore game so I just don't want to hear it from all these people, man. If you, if you if you have fun laughing at the Lions, then don't don't watch the Lions. Go root for some other team. Go root for whoever wins the Super Bowl, like a lot of you um, people like to do. But for the Kool-Aid drinkers and people that listen to this show, it doesn't matter how they lose or when they lose. We're there regardless because we're going to be there when this team gets it rolling, starts putting up Ws, and we know that we're not going to be the people that we're like, oh, man, like I love the Lions when really like, Four years ago, they were the one texting out that, man, the Lions are worthless. Why do I watch the Lions for? Man, they always lose. They never win. They're going to be terrible. Oh, yeah. And they'll be the same people that'll be there with their shirts, their jerseys, be at the parade and being like, man, I love the Lions. Oh, man, I I knew they would do it. No, you didn't. You've been hating on them forever. So I thank all the Kool-Aid drinkers out there that are hanging in there, going with the ups and downs. Like, hey, we're 0-5. That's not good. We've played pretty good in three to four games we came up short in all those games we had two games in the bag that were basically taken from us by refs by field goals or by us not making plays at the end to finish okay i get it there's a lot of football left to be played everybody knows this team's retooling rebuilding um putting it all together i'm hanging in there i'm drinking that kool-aid knowing that hey this team played really well i'm proud of this team after this game it should have been a w it wasn't but Hats off to him. I mean, I tip my glass to the Detroit Lions in this game. Drink it in, man. So there it is, everybody. A longer Kool-Aid cast. I had a lot to get off my chest. Got the solo mic. Got to do my thing. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll come back later this week for the Friday show. We'll be talking about Cincinnati. Be pouring out more Kool Aid. I'm sure I'll have some more rants. I might have some more Twitter uh, activity to talk about, as well as hopefully no more players get injured for the Detroit Lions. Hopefully more get healthy. Hopefully we have a good week of practice, and hopefully they're ready for the Cincinnati Bengals coming into Ford Field this week. So we'll talk all about it right here on the Detroit Kool Aid Cast. Take care, everybody. I'm out. Drink it in, man.